for two weeks. I'm getting old. But thank God he has healed me. I'm thankful for that. So whatever you're going through, trust me, when you can't praise, it's hard. And Lord, we thank you that we're here today, that we can worship him, the one and only God. We give you praise in this place. Amen. Take all I have. Take all I have in these hands and multiply.
testify to that today? Has the Lord done mighty and great things in your life? That we come today and we absolutely give him the praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, for all that you've done. God, I, I would not doubt if we took time for testimonies today, Lord, we would be here the afternoon. Lord, because you are a great and mighty God. Lord, each one of us has been through valleys. But Lord God, we've seen the valley and we've seen the mountaintop, Lord. And you, Lord God, continually amaze us. Lord, let us continually never take for granted, Lord God, the time that we have together today to come together and bless you and say thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Lord God, you are, you are faithful. You are a healing God, Lord. And today... Lord, I know that there are many among us, Lord God, that are, are suffering today. My mom included, Lord, and we want to lift up these needs before you, God. Lord, we want to say that we trust you today, that it's in your hands, God. You already know, Lord God, and we just pray, Lord, that we remain faithful and steadfast in our prayer for one another and for each other, Lord God, that we lift one another up. Lord, and we'll look forward to the great day, Lord God, where we get to testify that the Lord has touched me. Only the Lord, only you, Lord God, receive the credit today, we pray. And we ask you, Lord, to touch those that are in need right now, God, that you would touch them in a great special way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord with you today. I'll tell you, we have a lot of youth away, but you can't tell. You filled in the gaps nicely this morning. So praise God. It's so good to have you here today. We want to give you an opportunity to fellowship with one another. I think, uh, Ron, you told me Wednesday night I kind of guilted you with the fellowship. So, hey, that's good. If that's what it takes, I'm going to guilt you. So if you're sitting on this side, get over to somebody on that side or vice versa. Go see somebody that you've never said hello to before, and we'll give you about five minutes to do that. Praise God. Greet one another. Did, it, did you do it? Did you get over there? No? no? Well, some, some people did. Some people shaking their head. No. Did somebody come over and see you? Okay. See, there you go. Good job, left side. My left side. Good job. Good job. Well, listen, before we prepare for the offering this morning, I just want to mention if you are new to us, if you are a visitor or you, you've been here but you've never filled a Connect card out, they are in the seat pocket in front of you. Uh, what we ask is don't, don't stick that in the offering right now, but if you will take that out into the lobby at the information center and they will give you a gift uh, in just our way. Now, I don't know, did anybody, last week, Pastor told us to write some names on to pray for. Did everybody do that? Praise God. It, I, you don't know, I, I'll give you a quick update. My mom went into the hospital on Tuesday night. You don't know from Sunday to Sunday what happens in somebody's life. 
you've all experienced this, I'm sure, and you, and you don't know, but she, you know, she's still going through it, and, and it's something with her kidneys, and we're, we're believing tomorrow they're going to do a procedure and that they're going to find the answer, um, but it's hard. You know my dad. She's at home with my dad, and she can't be, and so uh, it's, it's a tough situation, not like anybody else's. I, I understand that, uh, so just keep us in prayer. You ask, you know, many of you ask a lot, um, and I don't want to dominate the time with my personal needs. I know you all have personal needs, uh, but if you remember my mom and dad, please Remember them in prayer, I ask. Thanks. Uh, so ushers, prepare. We'll pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity of giving, of worshiping you, God, even through our giving. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the, the finances that you've given us, Lord God. We're thankful for the employment that we have, Lord God. Uh, Lord, we just want to give back to you and build the kingdom of God. We ask that you bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John, oh, there you go. You got it. Good job. Uh, I'll tell you, Heather, I don't know. You probably knew. I don't know if you knew I was speaking on worship. All those songs are perfect, so we'll get to that. I will give you all my worship. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, I have a few announcements. I have not, you know, I have not done this in a while. 
I'm pretty busy. The, I, I thought about I should have like a different jacket when I go down and come back up, a different jacket on and then switch. I'm the only pastor here today, so have mercy on me. And uh, I hope everything goes all right. We'll tell Pastor and Pastor Hans everything went excellent. This morning, I just have a few announcements for you. One is this Saturday is men's breakfast. And uh, 8 a.m., you know it. If you have never been, this is a great opportunity for you to try it out. Uh, we have a great time of fellowship and, and obviously a great breakfast. And you got to eat. Nobody's getting up Saturday morning saying, no, I'm not going to eat this morning. So just come here and eat. And you'll, be, you'll leave full, not only here, but spiritually, you'll be full. So make it a point if you have never been there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to go in order here. I don't know if I will. Uh, February 25th, that is in two weeks, the annual business meeting will be following the morning service. So it has helped that we have done it that way. Uh, I, I've never been a part of, of it here, but at my other church, if you ever had it on a Sunday night and you were calling people, please come because we need a quorum and please, and you had to have a certain number. So it's, it's been beneficial to have it after church. It will go quickly. You won't, you'll get out in time to eat. You won't have any delay there. So make it a point uh, to be here for that. Uh, March uh, uh, 3rd, uh, in, the, at, in the life group session, you, you may have seen these out there. There's several out there on the uh, information center. Pastor is going to begin uh, a Parenting 101 class. Um, it, it's, it's a nine-week series, I believe. Um, yes, it is a nine-week series. They're all on the back here. Um, if, if you are a parent and, you know, just we, we all want to raise our kids right. You know, we have different phases in life. Many of you are where I'm at now. Brandon's the only one kind of left at home, and he's, you know, he's kind of moving into those later teen years. Um, but many of you have young children, and you're, you're wanting to raise them right. This is a great opportunity to do that. Also, coinciding with that, Pastor Hans will be starting a new uh, session for the teens called Teens and Money. And I, 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 Pastor said this Wednesday night. He keeps reiterating that he wants Pastor Hans to touch on this. And he's probably said it here before, and you've heard it. At age 19, I didn't know this, and I wish I had known this. If you are at age 19, and you are able, you get a job, you're able to put $2,000 a year, $2,000 a year into an IRA account, yielding 10%. And I don't, I don't know where they're at today. They may not be that high. $2,000 a year for seven years, and then don't touch it. At retirement, that will yield $1 million. And I wish I had known that then. Because trying to save $2,000 right now, you know that that's not feasible sometimes. But young people, you need to be already thinking of these things. Now I'm saying this, and all the teens mostly are at winter retreat this morning skiing. So hopefully they will be ready for that. That is a great session. And, and really, there's, there's a lot of different uh, life group sessions that you can look at. Um, and it's a great time. It's a great time for fellowship. So that is starting on March 3rd are those classes starting. And then March 4th, uh, not March 4th, my fourth announcement is, on March 3rd, that morning for service is our missions weekend. And I, I too, Pastor had talked about this. We heard Sam Johnson speak not that long ago. He is 85 years old, and he is still going strong with, you know, obviously you can't do everything that you used to do, but he is a great champion for raising the money to build churches all over. I mean, they went country by country to see what he has done. And what, he's, and what we've been a part of. And it's an, it's an awesome thing. Pastor will share some numbers with you. I will not get ahead. He loves to tell you that stuff. But you need to know that as a church, 
you are a very giving church. Uh, and it, it has been a great blessing to, to my family and ours coming and being a part of that. And I know you, many of you feel the same way. So make it a point to be here for our missions emphasis. And then that evening, obviously, is the food from the different countries that you will make. And uh, it's, it's always a great time. Um, you know, sometimes you get to that table and it's not labeled and you're wondering, hmm, you know, I'm not sure. And I'm usually better off if I don't know and I eat it, hey, it's good, please don't tell me what it is. I'm just going to keep eating it. If I like it, leave me alone, you know. <laughs> don't blow it for me. So those are just some events coming up. Now I will put on my sermon hat this morning. As you know, we've been on our series, Back to Basics. And I don't know why. Obviously, if you know me, I, have, I was a worship leader for many years. And pastor seems to always give me the... I, I, I look back, it's almost a year. Last year, we did spiritual assessment, and I spoke on worship. So I was like, what am I going to say new that I didn't say last year? And so I, I feel like I have something fresh for you this morning, so I want to share that with you. I don't know if many of you know who Matt Redman is. Heather, I know who Matt, Matt Redman is. Maybe you've heard of him. He is a, uh, a worship leader from the UK. Actually, this, this morning we sang Gracefully Broken. That is a song that he wrote. And he's just a, a great songwriter, great worship leader. I, you know, as a young person, uh, he was just kind of coming on the scene. And I, I got to just kind of, he was a great resource for church worship. He wrote great songs. Uh, what's the other one? Um, 10,000 Reasons. Yeah, there's, there's so many. Blessed Be Your Name. Just so many songs. So he, great worship leader, somebody I followed. Well, he, he attended a, a congregation over in the UK. And you, you can imagine, I, I, I can identify with this a little bit, is that you get a lot of musicians together. And you, you always try to, I don't know, Heather, you do this. I, you try to send, surround yourself with musicians who are better than you because it helps you look a little bit better, and it challenges you as well. You know, they're, they're a little bit better than you, so it makes me strive to be a little bit better myself. And what they found in this particular church, and the pastor felt it was going to take a drastic measure, he said that our congregation, the feeling was, is we are worshiping the worship, if that makes sense. We're worshiping the worship rather than worshiping the God of our, our affection and, and of our worship. And he, here's the drastic thing. Now imagine we said this today, that when we come next week, this is what he told his church, no more music. We're going to come and we're going to offer up something God to God from our hearts. And I don't know what that's going to look like. And Matt Renman said, I'm the song leader, like what am I going to do? You know, no, no guitar, no strumming, no anything. And he said, I don't know what the size of the church was, but they sat in a circle. And he said, it was painful in the beginning. Nobody had anything to say. Nobody wants to be the first one to say something. Or, and it, it was very uncomfortable. Again, no music. And, and as for me, I would have a difficult time with that. Um, only because that's, that's my expression, and we all join in. But he said that out of that, it began to change the people's hearts, and you, you begin to realize what, what's more important than, you know, it, it's always nice to have great worship. Don't get me wrong. I love it, you know, and that's a big part of who I am. But I, I used to challenge people if, if, you know, say we had a lady come into our church, and in her former church, she was the singer. I sang at communion. I sang at this. Well, unfortunately, we don't have space for that. And I said, but let me ask you, if all this goes away, I had to challenge myself in this. If all this were to go away, would you cease to worship the Lord? 
Of course you wouldn't. But in this case, it, the pastor saw that that was what was happening, that if you took away that worship, if you took away that music, there was no heart left in the church. So Matt said again that it was, it was difficult, it was a long process, but he said out of that, he began to write a song, and he said it was for his own benefit. It was, for, it was his heart crying out to God, and he said he never intended it uh, as a congregational thing, but his pastor, as they often do, caught wind of the song, and he said the congregation needs to hear this. Now, I'm going to sing a part of it. I know this might be a little awkward transition. I can talk while I walk. Um, but you may recognize this, and you may not even realize, you know, a lot of times we don't know where the songs were, you know, burst from, what they came out of. Um, but this song comes out of that. You'll see kind of through the words exactly why, excuse me, exactly why it came out this way. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come Longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart And I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. King of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. And though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So obviously, I hope you know I don't do that for applause this morning. Just simply, I wanted to take one line of that and focus on it. And it is that I will bring you more than a song. More than a song. 
And for me, this is great. I, I had this line right here. I told Debbie Edwards, Edwards I was going to use this this morning. And she posted this on Facebook yesterday. It said that what we do worship-wise is so much more than the songs we sing. It is the life we live the rest of the week. And many times me as a musician, and, and I love that, that is my expression, that's how I feel. And, you know, Pastor had done a, a series on Wednesday nights about each individual's expression. Some of us, um, you know, when we pray, some of us like to be in a quiet place. Some of us, uh, Pastor talked very much that he loves to do it while he's walking. So we all have different ways of expressing it. This is a very strong one for me, and the thing is, I enjoy it, and it's a great way to worship, but I have to be mindful that it's not always about what I want, it's what God desires, and it's what he wants from me this morning, and it has to be more than a song. Three weeks ago, I spoke on the topic of fellowship, and I read from Acts 2.42, and it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So actually, these are the first three topics that we spoke on in this series. It was Bible reading, prayer, and fellowship. And the, the truth is, each one of these is a great form of expression in worship. And we don't always, again, we, we, we call it worship music, and we sing worship songs, and we do all of this, and sometimes we're missing the most basic of what God requires from us, and we turn it into something else. You heard that in the song. Forgive me, Lord, I've made it something that it's not. It's all about you, and let me bring it all back into focus this morning. If you remember, when I spoke that sermon, I spoke that in the New Testament, using the words one another over a hundred times. And we looked at, we are to love one another, we're to share one another's burdens, forgive one another, and encourage one another. And we do these because we love the Lord. And we want to be obedient to his word. And we do it out of an expression from our hearts. To me, there is no greater form of worship than live in obedience of God. I, 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 you can disagree, agree. I believe that there is no greater form of worship than that. To live by his commandments, to serve him by loving one another. We are commanded to do those things. And if we're doing something else, we need to go back to the word and understand what it is God has for us. Lord, I will bring you more than a song. So I want to look at today, and I, I, I bounced around with how I wanted to do this, two very somewhat lengthy portions of scripture. And rather than put them up there, you know, and, and put that on the media team in the back, my wife being back there today, I would like to read this portion of scripture to you, and then I want to focus this first portion on one verse. So this comes out of 1 Samuel 15, and I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. This is chapter 15, and this is, we're now talking about Samuel, uh, the prophet, and he's, he's dealing with Saul, who, whom God told him to make king. The people wanted a king, they got Saul. So it says this, one day Samuel said to Saul, it was, the, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I've decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when, the, when they came from Egypt. 
Now go and completely destroy. This is very important. Go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite army, uh, nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, donkeys. I'm assuming if there were cats, cats would be thrown in there. He said destroy them all. So Saul mobilized an army at Telium, and there were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. And then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. And Saul sent this warning to the Kenites, move away from here, from where the Amalekites live. I, I toyed with paraphrasing this, but I, I didn't want to miss anything, so forgive me. And you will, uh, or you will die, for you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from, up from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah uh, all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the calves, and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Now look what happens. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king. What happened? What happened? He, he quickly went to this, and it was, as we will read, Saul's disobedience. He said, I'm sorry I ever made him king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a mountain, a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Samuel said, then what is all this bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle that I hear, Samuel demanded. Uh, it's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted. Now listen to this. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel stopped, uh, uh, said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked. And Samuel told him, Although you may think little of yourself, you are not the leader of the tribes of Israel. The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did, not obey the, uh, but I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag. But I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheeps, sheep, goats, cattle, plunder, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And here's my verse. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than the offering, than the, uh, the fat of rams. I know this isn't up here, but I, I want to continue. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Verse 22, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. So I apply this to myself, and I want to tell you what these verses tell me. 
It means that I can come to church and I can sing these songs with all my heart. I can lift my hands. I can put on quite a show. I can be the loudest one out of anybody to say amen and hallelujah. But if I am living in, dis in disobedience to his word, I am in error. Do you remember in Matthew 5, it talks about bringing your gift to the altar. And if you go to the altar and you, you remember that somebody has something against you, you go and make that right. And then you come and you make your offering and you bring your gift. Today, as I, as I live my life, we need to be listening for his voice and understanding what it is his will for our life. And we don't need purpose-driven life. We don't need books written about it. It is found in his word. And if we remain faithful and read his word as we've been challenged to, prayer and fellowship and reading his word, if we will do those things, we will understand what it is God requires of us. It requires more. Again, please don't get me wrong. I love singing worship songs. I'm not going to stop singing worship songs. But God requires that I live in obedience. Saul, just like many of us, was very well-intentioned. Yeah, I, I, I kept, yes, I kept the best, but they're for the Lord. The Lord doesn't want that offering. He wants your obedience. And it actually says that living in disobedience, you are living in rebellion towards God. And that is a high charge that I don't want to be accused of, of living in rebellion to God. He says, it's true, I spared my army, but I did this all for the Lord. I've destroyed everything else, and that was not what God had him do. Uh, I, I was going to read the rest, and I, but if you're familiar with it, it says that Saul understood that he sinned, and he wanted to repent. And Samuel wouldn't have, he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to go with him. He told him no, and he pleaded with Samuel, please come with me so that I might worship the Lord. And so Samuel finally agreed, and he went back with him, and it says that Saul worshiped the Lord. Now, very important in that is that we can't miss that step of if we have lived in rebellion and we've lived in no disobedience, we need to ask for repentance before God. We don't just move on past it. We ask for repentance from God. Samuel said, obedience is better than sacrifice. And I find that so powerful this morning. If you understand, if you've read that story, Samuel then goes, takes a sword, and he, it says he cuts the king that they, again, they captured the king. They brought him back disobedient. Weren't supposed to do that. And Samuel, it says, cuts him to pieces. And then in the end, it says that God was sorry he ever made Saul king. It's a sad story, but it can so easily be our story if we live without heeding the word of the Lord and listening to his voice. David said it this way in Psalm 51, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. I pray that, that that's where we're finding ourselves this morning. And if we're, if we're not, if we're, maybe we can take this time to focus in on that and know that God is just looking for a broken and repentant heart before him because he is worthy of honor and respect. And he deserves our praise. And this, we show this to him by living in obedience to his word. Amen? 
Second portion I want to talk about this morning. That was obedience. This is 2 Samuel. And now we're talking about King David, uh, who also, I mean, we see many times he had moments of, of falling away, of, of living in disobedience. And this is going to be one where we're going to focus on his trust in the Lord. Um, a little bit lengthy again, please bear with me. I, I don't think God's word returns void, so let's listen to this this morning. This is 2 Samuel chapter 24. It says, Once again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he caused David to harm them by taking a census. Go and count the people of Israel and Judah, the Lord told him. So the king said to Joab and the commanders of the army, Take a census of all the tribes of Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, so that I may know how many people there are. But Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God let you live to see a hundred times as many people as there are now. But why, my lord the king, do you want to do this? But the king insisted that they take the census. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out to count the people of Israel. Um, I, I am going to paraphrase just because it's just kind of, you know, they go in Hivites, Canaanites, they count them all. And here it goes. It says, but after he had taken the census, David's conscience began to bother him. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive my guilt, Lord, for doing this foolish thing. And the next morning, the, Lord, uh, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, who was David's seer. And this was the message. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I will give you three choices. Choose one of these punishments, and I will inflict it on you. So Gad came to David, and I'm going to paraphrase again. He told him that, about these things. Here are the three things. You can either have three years of famine throughout your land, three months of fleeing from the enemy, or three days of severe plague throughout your land. And uh, think this over and decide what an answer you should give to the Lord. So David ends up choosing, I, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this, David ends up choosing the plague for three days. And within that time, it says that they lose 70,000 people in the nation. And David begins to, uh, the, the Lord tells the angel, stop. Right, right as he gets to Jerusalem, stop. That's enough. And David said, Lord, I'm the one who sinned. Why, why all of these people have to suffer for what I have done? Let your anger fall against me and my family. So that day Gad came to David and said, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aranah, the Jebusite. And so David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. And when Aranah, I'm sorry with his name, saw the king coming, he came and bowed before the king and his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord? David said, I have come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there that he will stop the plague. He said, take it, Lord, the king, take it, Lord. He said, use it as you wish. The oxen are for your burnt offering. You can use the threshing floor uh, and the ox for your yokes, for wood, to build a fire and an altar. I will give it to you, your majesty, and may the Lord, your God, accept your sacrifice. And these are the verses I want to look at. But the king replied to Arana. No, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. And David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered the prayer, uh, his prayer for the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. So here, 
we may not pick up on that. It sounds harmless. I'm taking a census. What's the problem? But the problem is, is that God, to this point and throughout David's kingdom, David walked by trusting the Lord, trusting in God alone. And here he wants to count his people. What size is my army? I need, I need to know what I'm dealing with and, and how many I have and how many warriors. And God said, trust me. Trust me. I would say that so many times, in maybe different circumstances, we talk about this a lot at like pastoral conferences and even small sectional fellowships, is that pastors and churches can get caught up in so much. The first question is, how many people are you running? How many people are you running? Because we can get caught up in, that kind of feeds our ego. And and we love to tell people 200 people. Well, I have, you know, we we try to outdo uh, one another. So we would be good to heed this as well. Trust me, God will add the increase. Trust me, press in. And and God will, we we always talk about how we want to witness. Pastor talked about it last week. Uh, We feel like we're not doing our job. Look, you are asked to share your testimony with somebody. Let God touch that person. But be obedient to that point. That's how God works, and that's how we need to be available to him. But sometimes we get ahead of God, and we think we can rely on our own strength, and we don't rely and trust in him. I had an experience. Again, I was a worship leader, and Man, Sunday nights were a bear sometimes. You know, you did all day and you maybe got a nap in the afternoon. But if I didn't get my nap and I came back Sunday afternoon, I was not in a good mood. And forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I don't need your forgiveness. Um, But I almost felt like I portrayed that. Uh, People could pick up on that. And this one night we had a visiting guy that I knew he was going to be preaching. And he was a younger guy, just a little older than me. And he didn't say anything, and I got up there and led, and I just, I can't even explain it to you. I just felt like, like I was so confident in my own ability, and I felt like I put that air out there, if that makes sense. I just felt like I could do no wrong, I'm going to sing this, I know I can sing this part, I know I can play this part, and it's going to, you know, I'm really blessing God, when really, I feel like maybe I was trying to be I was trying to impress this guy, this, this friend of mine. And after service, he said to me, man, he said, you look so comfortable up there. He said, yeah, I mean, great songs, you did a good job. And the moment he said that, the Holy Spirit convicted me. And I sat there and I knew I got up there with that arrogant attitude, like it was all me and I was able to do it all by myself and I didn't need the Lord. I had done this many years. You know, I don't need, I don't know what I thought. I just know I was guilty of exactly, he meant it as a compliment, but the Holy Spirit told me that's no compliment. And I knew in my heart, it was not a compliment. Uh, one of the verses we read earlier uh, from 2 Samuel, this is the message version. It says, I'm not going to offer God sacrifices that are no sacrifice. And in that particular moment, what I was offering to the Lord was not only not a sacrifice, but it was not even, uh, you know, at at that point, I was, you know, uplifting myself. And I thought all I could say was, you know, that I was going to do this nice song, and 
here you go, God, you deserve this, and just boom, strum my guitar, and you're, you're welcome. That's the attitude I had leading worship on a Sunday night service. And the Lord had to, the Holy Spirit had to get a hold of me. And this verse, this verse right here, and I want to emphasize this, this is Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 3. This is for all of us. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than offer the sacrifices of fools who do not know what they are doing, that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. I want to tell you, and I have no problem admitting, that night at that service, I was a fool. I thought I was offering something God, and it's almost like the Holy Spirit needs to say, wait, 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 stop, stop. This is God in heaven, and you are here on earth. Ironically enough, Matt, Roman, Matt Redman wrote that song. You were God in heaven, and here, on, here I am on earth, so I'll let my words be few. Folks, I, I, if I'm speaking for myself this morning, we can come in so flippant when we walk in those doors. We can just come in and feel like, ah, yeah, I'm going to go sing a few songs. I'm going to hear an awesome message from Pastor Brandon, obviously. <laughs> and then walk out and never have changed. And we need to come in through those doors, those doors as they did in the, in the temple, through the gates of praise. And we need to enter in and say, Lord, what is it you desire from me today? Not what do you desire from the worship team? What do you desire from me today? Lord, have I walked in obedience? Have I been faithful to your word? God, yes, I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to express myself to this morning through song. But Lord, again, as we read that quote of earlier, Sunday to Sunday, what's happening between there? How am I living between Sunday to Sunday? Because we can't live off our experience here alone on Sundays. You know this. We need to come and, and be mindful that when we enter the presence of the Lord, he is God and I am not. And I need to listen and let my words be few, make, make them very intentional for what I want to say to the Lord and what he wants to hear from me. Amen. Thirdly this morning, and this may tie in with my other sermon, but fellowship. But what I want to talk to you today is the fellowship we have with God between you and I and God. I came to the realization long ago and, and a circumstance like I just told you about of, of me thinking I'm offering up something to God, you know, of worth, and I don't feel I was, is the realization that God doesn't need my worship. He doesn't need it. Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. All of creation praises the Lord. Psalms tells us that rivers clap their hands and mountains sing praise to God. Isaiah tells us that the trees of the field will clap their hands in, in praise to the Lord. If you're like me, I take my dogs out at night and I look up at the sky. I've talked about this many times and just so vast. On a clear night, the stars. And I really, I, I look at myself and I think, so me strumming a guitar and singing a couple of songs, oh God, like God's sitting there saying, please worship me today, please worship me. You know, he doesn't need it. 
Paul says this in, in the book of Acts 17, 22 through 25. Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. He says, this God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. And since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live by man-made, in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He, gives, he himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. So then the question is, then, then why? Why do we worship him? He doesn't need it. We, we've read here the mountains, all of creation, they worship him. Could it be that worship is for my benefit and for your benefit this morning? Could it be that simple that as I begin to worship God, as I begin to sing praises to him, as I begin to live in obedience and exalt him, that somehow I draw closer to him, maybe this is for our benefit. And it brings me to his feet and it puts him in proper perspective. It puts him in the high place that he belongs to in his rightful place. Revelation 4.11, the King James Version says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You and I were designed by God with an innate need to worship. There's, there's a, if, if we don't fill it with worship for God, there's a void that needs to be filled, and you know this, we fill it with other things. We... Yeah, we, we, worldly possessions, things, people, relationships, we fill it when really it is intended solely for God. And he has given us, uh, us that, and these other things that we, we begin to, we don't think of it this way, but we begin to worship the things or the items that we fill this void with. And I want to say this, I, I don't mean it to say that God doesn't need our worship, therefore he doesn't care. It says that he is seeking worshipers. In John 4, it says he is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I may have probably felt this way, but nobody should ever walk away from the worship experience saying, man, I gave God good worship today. He, he deserved it, and I, I gave it to him. To, to be so arrogant. No, God doesn't need it. I need it. I need it. I'm only shortchanging myself if I think I'm just offering, I'm just mouthing words to a song. If I don't mean it, I don't come away fulfilled. I need it. I need to worship him, to draw closer to him, to surrender to him. I won't offer him sacrifices that are no sacrifice. And as we begin to put him in the highest place, just as God always does, you've experienced this, is he turns it right back around on you. And he blesses you. No, God, I'm trying to bring you something, and yet you're pouring. The more I try, the more it floods from heaven. And I thank God for that. I had an, an, an opportunity uh, at Promise Keepers. This was an event, I, I may have shared this in the past, in Washington, D.C. And it was at the old RFK Stadium, and Promise Keepers were there. I don't know how many thousands of men. 
It was after the afternoon break. I remember this so vividly because I walked in and again, I, I don't know, 60,000 men? I don't know how many. I just know there were a lot. And we began to sing a song. And as I did, I looked up. It began to rain and the roof is, is open. And in all of those people, I felt like it was just me and God. Just me and God. There were, I, I, don't, I can't say I even heard them singing anymore. And in that moment, I was looking up to the sky and I just felt that connection with God. And he can do that for any one of us. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the venue, God can meet you when you would worship him and open your heart to him. He can come and meet you. The song says, I will bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear, through the way I try to make them look. God sees the heart. He says, it says, you're looking into my heart. So no, he doesn't need it, but he wants it. And he desires it. And he desires fellowship with you and I. Husbands, doesn't it feel good? I, I don't know. We're not going to take love language lesson, you know, test here today. Pastor teases me about mine consistently. Um, but if yours isn't words of affirmation, which is pastor's, so you try to give him a compliment and it doesn't land because he doesn't work that way. But if yours is or isn't words of affirmation, it still feels good. Husbands, if your wife says that she loves you and that she appreciates you, you may not live for that, but in that moment, it's pretty nice. You, you know, if you don't feel that way, I don't know, check, check your pulse, you know, if you're not alive. Ladies, can't you tell the difference of an insincere versus a sincere I love you? Lynn, I love you. And we tell each other every day, we really do. But have you ever heard, yeah, 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 I love you too? I mean, does that really warm your heart, ladies? I know it probably doesn't. Or better yet, you just get, Ugh. just the grunt, as guys can only do, just the grunt. Now listen, if we desire and respond to such things, why would we think the God who created us would feel any differently? He wants communion with you. He wants your heart and my heart this morning. He wants to have communion and fellowship with him this morning. In, in closing today, I want to know that, I want to make sure that our, we always make our intentions clear before the Lord. That we don't come in flippant or arrogant, as I've explained in my life, and I can't imagine I'm the only one who's done that. But that we come in and we ask the Lord to examine, examine our hearts. And while he may not need necessarily our worship, because if, if I never lifted a hand or lifted a voice one more day to the Lord, it's not going to take away or detract from his, worthness, his worthiness. And all of creation is going to continue to praise him. But the fact that he is seeking worshipers as such, I want to be part of that. We want to be intentional in our worship. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. That's powerful. And God then can turn it back towards you. And, and it's just a wonderful experience if you've never done that. Is as you've exalted God, he then in turn pours it back. 
Again, we can't live off of our Sunday to Sunday. You're going to run dry if you try to run from Sunday to Sunday and not fill up all week long. We need to be in his word and seeking him and every day daily reading his word as well. Psalm 96, 4 through 6 says, Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made, heaven, made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. Again, I read earlier uh, in Revelation 4, but we read on that the, the 24 elders, they fall down in worship. This is heaven. And they cast their crowns at his throne, and they say this. This is the new living. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. This morning, his desire from us is that we would obey his word, that we would trust in him, and that we would have fellowship and communion with him. This is a great start to how we worship God. And it only becomes an extension when we come and we sing songs of worship to him. But I'll tell you this, I'm even convicted this morning sometimes when I'm singing songs and think, this song's talking all about me and not even referring to God. And I, have to get, I, I get caught up in that because, hey, I hear a good tune and I, I like that guitar part. And it's got nothing, to me, it's got nothing to do with worship. I'm talking about myself. And it all has to be about him. Amen. Lord, help us today. Help us, Lord God, to examine our motives. Lord, when we, are we just merely going to sing songs, Lord, or are we going to read your word, Lord, and obey what your word has to say? God, I'm thankful for the time that we get to come together and, and with one voice lift up a praise and, and worship you, oh God. It's an awesome experience, God. But Lord, we want to be living by your command. Lord, and how you want us to live. And Lord, we want to walk with you daily, Lord God, and worship you in these ways. If, whether it's through our giving or through witnessing or through Bible or through prayer or through fellowship with one another, God. Let us be worshiping you, Lord God. I, I pray that <clears throat> no task, Lord God, that we perform doesn't go with, without the lens of how does this bless you, God? And, and, and is what I'm doing, Lord God, lifting you up? Is it magnifying you? Is it giving you something of worth? Father, examine our hearts this morning as we, as we begin to face a week of uncertainty. Lord, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but God, we will trust you. I will trust you, God. And I know that's easier said than done. When we're going through a battle, Lord, it's easy to say, yes, Lord, I trust you. But Lord, when we're just walking through daily life and it's mundane and there's just no excitement, Lord, are we still trusting you? Lord, help us, Lord God. Build us up, we pray, God. Help us to uh, have a heart, Lord God, after you. As David, you call the man after your own heart, Lord. Let that be each one of us. Let it be said of us, Lord, that we sought you with all of our heart, God. We praise you today. We bless you. And we ask you to have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. We just stand together today. Heather, could you, could you come? Can we... I think that song should be there, and we'll just sing the chorus of that before we leave. If that's right, I'll, I'll go over here. I'll make it even more awkward. Why not? <laughs> you have the, uh, the heart of worship, should be right at the end. 
I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the thing I've made it when it's all about you it's all about you sing it again I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the thing I've made it when it's all about you it's all about you Hallelujah. We honor you today, Lord. Lord, it is all about you. Lord, anytime we try to make it about ourselves, Lord God, Holy Spirit, come and convict and let our attention turn back towards you, God. Lord, we've relied on ourselves for years, Lord, for circumstances beyond our control, and we want to give it back to you, Lord God. We obey you. We trust you today. Father, I pray that you would touch each person here, Lord, that you would walk with us this week. And we would have you, this song even, let it be on our hearts that it's all about you today. Bless us as we go in Jesus' name. Amen.